Welcome in to Baxter Street Boys. I'm your host, Cole Wilcox, joined as always by my co-host, Jake Gordon, and our talentless producer, Griffin Rudy. Uh, we got a special one today coming at you. We got a new segment. We have riding the roller coasters of Cruton right now, which, which is, you know, that's the only thing going on right now, so everybody's emotional. Uh, and then we got some SEC East preview. Going to see who the dogs are up against this year. Got a lot of good stuff coming at you, but I uh, want to say thanks again for listening in. You guys are awesome. The interactions are great. Uh, don't don't be afraid to subscribe to all the platforms and shout us out. Tell us what you think. But other than that, got a lot to get into, so let's get into it. There he goes in the corner again, and we jump up. Touchdown! Oh, God, a touchdown in the corner! He just stepped on their face with a hobnail boot and broke their nose. We just crushed their face. Swift's got running room. Swift by the defense. 40, 30. They won't catch him. Go, Swift. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. 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 Dogs win it. We're headed to Atlanta. Near sideline. And it's intercepted. Intercepted. Keely Ringo at the 21. Off he goes. 40, 50, 45, 40, 35, 30. Near sideline. Breaks the tackle. 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown. Touchdown, touchdown, Georgia. I know I'm asking a lot, you guys, but hunker it down one more time. Were, were either of y'all screaming, get down, get down, when Keely caught that ball? <laughs> no, I was actually standing on a table at Bar South, and I fell. <laughs> I fell off the table. I didn't even know it was a pick six until like five minutes after it happened. Uh, I was just freaking out. I screamed, get down, like twice, and then I was like, screw it, take it to the house. But, boys, boys, I got to. I got a new segment in the making here. I haven't prepped these guys at all for it. Uh, I don't. I don't have a good name for it yet. Maybe we can think of one afterwards. But Jake, you tweeted something that got me thinking the other day. Um, you quote tweeted Blockbuster. Yes, that that Blockbuster you're thinking of, and you said that you think it could possibly be successful due to nostalgia. Uh, so that got me thinking, and then it led to other things. So I got a couple of like, I guess, would you rather or either or questions here that some are football, some are not. But the first one has to do with that. So, gun to your head, you have to buy stock today in Blockbuster or Vaughn. Which one are you taking? Uh, I would probably go Blockbuster because I feel like TikTok is, has become superior to Vaughn. Yeah, no, nah, I agree. Griff, you have a, a, a heavy I think I think I would take Vine, honestly. I feel like it was too iconic. I feel like people still watch Vines on YouTube. My I thing is, I think I it think... would overtake TikTok. I don't think it would ever take TikTok, but I think I think you could do some things with Blockbuster. Like I think they could kind of get into the streaming game. There's already twelve different streaming platforms. They might could do it. But at that, I, do you think it's like long term success could happen, Jagger? Just quick nostalgia. I, I I feel like it would be cool to do like a couple times. Like if you put like, especially like near where we're from, where there's really not that much stuff to do. Like yeah. if you just threw down a Blockbuster. Like it could be like, oh yeah, let's go get like let's go to the video store on Friday night like we used to when we were like six years old. Oh, every time would I be went like, to my Mimi's house, we were blocked. Yeah, and everybody it would be fun to do a couple times and then you'd probably be like, Okay, look, I'm over. Yeah, no, this sucks. <laughs> I can do this at home. Yeah, for sure. Uh next one. A, a million dollar house on the beach or a million dollar house on the lake? Griff, you go first. I gotta think about this one. I think lake all day. I hate the beach. I hate the sand. Well, I don't hate the beach, but I, I couldn't live with the sand all the time. On the lake, it, sure. it depends what beach we're talking about. If we're talking like Isle of Palms, Charleston, like if I could pick that, um, I would probably say that 
But yeah, I mean, you, you get a million dollar lake house, that's going to be a lot more house than a million dollar house on Isle of Palms. But that's true. That, that's um, a good spin. And I hate sand. I'm, I'm a griff on that one. Sand is sand is god awful. So I, I I don't know. That was a tough one. Uh, I would probably probably go lake though. Yeah, I'm a certified beach hater. So that was an easy question for me. Like I, I hate the beach. I think going to a public beach might be the worst spent time of all time. Loading up the truck, walking across the hot sand, it, it's miserable. Hate public beach. If you're staying the ride on the back beach, is whatever. worse. Yeah, exactly. There's I, makes me sick thinking about it. All right, next one's a football one. You either get the choice of two 1,000-yard receivers or two double-digit sack pass rushers. Which one are you taking? I go pass rushers, no question. I think I'm going to go receivers. That's like too. That's just like way too flashy. That's so sick. If I remember right, I did. I forgot to do my homework here. Did Ajabo have double digit sacks last year? Uh, he did. I'm 99 sure he did. So Alabama had two thousand yards. Michigan had, and they both made the playoffs. So I don't think you can go wrong either way. But yeah, I, I'm a big component of football. Still one up front. Like I think I'm taking the edges. I don't know. It's yeah. Tough. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I feel like that's more of a that's more of a game changer if you have two uh double digit sack guys. I feel like that's that's more like more playmaker opportunities, I guess you would say, like big moments over just you know getting a thousand yards over a season. I don't know. That's just me. spin zone though. Georgia handled the edge rushers a lot better than they handled the two thousand yard receivers. That is true. That is true. So that that's that's a tough one. That, that's a tough one. I, I still think I lean edges, but I don't know. I don't know. All right, this one, this one kind of has me for a loop, and I heard it this week in a group message, actually. So this is for a five handicapping golf. For those who don't know, that's shooting five over par on average. What is more likely for them, a hole-in-one or a bogey-free round? Oof. Um, I don't know, man. That's a good – I mean, a hole-in-one is kind of like – that's just like a lucky thing that can happen mm-hmm. sometimes on a par three. A bogey-free round, man. That that is, you are in the zone for eighteen holes. Uh, a, a hole in one is just a lucky one-off thing. So I'll probably go hole in one. Yeah, hole in one. Yeah, I, I leaned hole in one after I thought about it because I, I was thinking that a five handicap can def, has definitely shot even par multiple times, but not bogey-free. Like there, there's no way they're mixing in birdies and bogeys. I, I think I'm leaning hole in one there too. I don't know. I have, I have to see the numbers. All right, this last one is probably the easiest one. Uh, would you rather see Tom Brady throw a game-winning touchdown to Julio Jones or sit butt-naked in a fire at Hill? <laughs> Was this all a setup just for this? I'm taking the second Pretty one. Right yeah, same, same. yeah. I'd, I'd sleep in the fire at Hill. Yeah. Dude, I went on a rant yesterday when I saw that. I'm not even going to lie. I hope those texts never get released. But my buddy texted me, and he said, this is, this is a free zone. Say whatever you want. He's a Jets fan, and I just unloaded. Uh, I can't remember what I was doing, but I was not near Twitter or my phone, and then – like somebody told me like 30 minutes after it happened and I was like, well, I'm just definitely not checking my phone for like <laughs> an hour and a half. Disgusting. Yeah. yeah. And what was crazy was I pitched yesterday for the first time in years. So my testosterone was already pumping. And then I hear this news. It, it forced, it led to me rage quitting on call of duty for the first time in like two years. I, I straight up rage quit during the middle of a search and destroy game. And I, I think it had a combination of all that stuff. Just, yeah, it made me want to throw up. And I saw that edit with them both. Gosh, almighty. My buddy actually made that too, which is unfortunate. <laughs> Dude, it, it seriously made me throw up. Uh, but, yeah, I don't I don't know a name for that segment. Maybe still like BSB RPO or something. But we'll mix that in every now and then. Uh, 
But yeah, the blockbuster thing got me going. Uh, I, I'm interested to see what they do because that tweet was weird. It was like they're rising from the grave. So who knows? Yeah, good luck with that. I guess I don't yeah. know. If they, if they put a, if they put up a store, I'll, I'll go to it a few times. I can't. Promise I'm not you buying much stock though. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I mentioned that that everyone's riding the the roller coaster of recruiting momentum uh, or losses. Uh, I don't even want to talk about the losses because Kirby just had a week in recruiting that 99 percent of teams in the country would die for. Um, he landed. Obviously, he didn't get to Jamal Jarrett last week. Landed a big time recruit there. Um, I don't want to pronounce this guy's name wrong. The safety. Um, I did see he got his fifth star. I don't know how to pronounce it either. I did see he got his fifth star. I don't star want to pronounce it wrong. He's a baller, though. Yeah. I think a Negro. I can't remember if the R is before the E or before the G or after the G. It's, but, it's after the G. It's okay. at the end. I think it's a Negro. Jonel Aguero. There we go. Aguero. Aguero. Yeah, he's a baller. Dude's a beast. Kirby went up north to get, grab that boy. Uh, obviously, we got uh, Smith from uh, Georgia, which is an area of need on, on the offensive line. And then just, you know, we're recording this on Wednesday. So about an hour ago, we land Haynes from former Penn State commit who, who's got blazing speed at receiver. Uh, what, like, do you think that Kirby, like, tries to get all these guys to commit when he knows that he's lost a recruit just to kind of, like, build the momentum back up? Is that a strategy? I mean, I think it's definitely possible. You know, I've never been in that. I've never been in that room. I don't know what it's like. You know, I'm I'm big on the draft and stuff like that. But recruiting is way, way over my head, especially with NIL and stuff. But I definitely think that he knows that, you know, he holds a certain power. And, you know, even a school like Penn State, where that's a really strong offer, he can go and take somebody from there. I think he's going to continue to get guys that, that he likes while he works to maybe potentially flip, you know, somebody like Caleb Downs or somebody like that. Yeah, just, just keep going. And I, and I was really happy to see him land Smith because there was a lot of talk that Kirby's lost the state and, and this, that, and another. And and people were kind of freaking out about that when, you know, there has he has gone out of the state and got a lot of guys, which, you know, you think about it, there turns out to be really, really good players. So you can say it's right or wrong or not, but being able to land a guy like that in state, then we have Nakar next class already committed in state. Like, I, he hasn't lost the state, in my opinion, I think. You know, there's and next and next year's class is, is really, really loaded in Georgia. So so we'll see what happens there. But I think that I think one thing I do need to say that just kind of a warning to Georgia fans a little bit is I know expectations have been raised, but you don't want to get to the point of entitlement where it, it becomes personal when somebody doesn't pick your team. Like, listen, the recruits owe us nothing as fans. They're they're not fans of our team as as loyal as we are. They're not like they're, they're trying to do what's best for them. Uh, I just kind of keep it positive on Twitter, especially uh, they're 18 year old kids and they're, they're just doing what's best for them. What they think is best. This is not personal to the fan base. I promise in most cases, maybe so. I mean, Quay Walker chunk in the Tennessee hat was <laughs> fairly <laughs> personal, but I'm all for it. That is BSB stamped. Uh, if you have any of these guys that kind of stick out to you and you're kind of recruiting guy that you think can come in and impact quickly. I mean, Obviously, uh, Jonel uh, Aguero, I think that's how he says his name. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, he's a, he's going to be a beast. I mean, huge talent, just got his fifth star. Uh, Jamal Jarrett, huge on on defensive line. You know what we've been doing recently with defensive line guys. and I'm Especially so with the rotation. Like, yeah, I mean. He's going to play. Yeah, and so that's a great pickup. Offensive line, K.J. Smith, good pickup. We've had a lot of guys get drafted in the offensive line. So, I mean, we obviously see the talent there very well. And then Kazid, you know, that was 
a three-star pickup kind of under the radar thing. And I mean, you know, he's got the speed, like he could, he's got the talent to like be a guy who gets a lot of playing time and make some plays for, for the dogs. Yeah. I see him being a pretty heavy riser on the recruiting rankings and stuff too. Just that, that type of skill set being six, three and that fast is something you don't get to see often. Uh, but let's, let's preview the sec East, which in my opinion is division that's kind of on the rise a little bit. I think it's, I think there's some, some momentum being carried by some of the teams that have been dormant for a while. Uh, but let's start with this, because I think we all agree that Georgia's going to go 8-0, correct, in the SEC. Um, oh, before we get into that, Griff, you made a QB, you made our QB ranking graphic. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot. Can't forget this. It was awesome. It got a lot of interaction on Twitter, a lot of people calling us stupid, which is exactly what we wanted. It was great. Uh, but the funniest part to me was I texted Griffin after it was released and I was laughing. I was like, dude, you exactly what you're called for. Like you got you got the momentum going with Stetson at number one. And he acted like he had no idea what I was talking about. He was dead serious. Griff, is Stetson Bennett the best quarterback in the league? Dude, this year I think he can be. I think he will be. We've got way too much talent on the field offensively for him to not be one of the top ten QBs in college football. And I mean why not be number one? He's the only quarterback in college football right now who has a national championship under his belt as a starter. Yeah, Bryce Young's got one or whatever. Some Alabama fan would comment in that. Yeah, that does not count. He was the backup. He did not play. That does not count. All right. So, I mean, I just don't see any reason why. And then our boy Wash Rick on Twitter is hater. just coming out of here. He is a Stetson hater, bro. And I really – I'll never get it. I'll never understand – the Stetson hate because this dude played his heart out for Georgia for every game that he's walked onto the field. And this year, even when he wasn't the presumed starter all year, he still played as far as good as he could every game. And it won us a national championship. Like, why are we hating on this guy? I just, I can't understand it. And people are saying he, he, he's not a big playmaker, like all types of things. He made the biggest play in the history of Georgia football. The touchdown throw to Adonai Mitchell in the national championship game is without a doubt the biggest play in the history of Georgia football. I mean, without that play, we do not win a national championship, and we're still in a 42-year drought. So, I mean. Love it. Love it, Griff. Say it with your chest, baby. Yeah, uh, I will. Shout out, shout out Wash Rick, though. I respect a good hater. Like, I, it's, I, I feel like I'm a certified hater. I respect the passion. Uh, so, shout out. Keep it up. Don't, don't take your, <laughs> keep your foot on the gas. Uh, Jake, anything stick out to you in the comment section on, on the quarterback stuff? You thought I read the comment section? Yeah. <laughs> I did not read the comment section. No, I did not. Absolutely not. You're more of a Twitter vet than I am. Uh, yeah. I had somebody come at me for Brennan Armstrong, which I said in a quote tweet that I, it hurt me leaving him off. He's a quarterback for Virginia, for people who don't know, and he's awesome. I love Brennan Armstrong. I took the over on a 1,000 Virginia games. So I love the guy. Here's my reasoning. I said I'd take my reasoning on here. I'll make it quick. New head coach. New OC, five new offensive linemen, five. You, you can't throw the ball if you're on your back. And I know he plays in the worst conference. Can we agree that AC Coastal is the worst conference in fo- or division in football? It's I mean, bad. it's a joke. So I don't know how much pass rush he's going to face, but it's it doesn't matter who it is. He's got five new offensive linemen. So that's that's the reason. It has nothing to do with him and his talent. I love Brennan Armstrong. I don't think I, he's I a top team quarterback. I want to bring something up about Virginia real quick. I actually hold a, sp- a special hate for Virginia for at least like a few more months. I'm still going to be mad about this. 
So I, I was in this contest at school, and you won like a signed Georgia football helmet if you had like the best college pick'em rec- uh, record. I came out of like, dude, I was like middling around five hundred. I came out of nowhere the past three weeks and like laid off like twelve and zero, like eleven and one, like twelve and zero. Last week I go twelve and one, and the reason I lost is because Virginia Tech or Virginia blew like a three touchdown lead to Virginia Tech in the fourth quarter. <laughs> I don't even know if he was playing in that game, but I'm still mad at Virginia football overall. So I don't care what they have to say. They they owe me a, they owe me a helmet. That's really what I'm getting to. Brandon Armstrong was not going to be on your list, regardless. No, <laughs> their defense was putrid. It made me want to throw up, but it made for fun game. Okay, so back, that's that's our quarterback talk. I thought it went really well. There's there's a lot of good quarterbacks in the league this year. I think I think it's going to be a fun year for for the arms. Last year it seemed like a little bit of a down year. You saw that in the draft, but I think quarterbacks are on the rise this year. So we'll see. Might hit a few of them on on this SEC's preview we're getting into. Let's start. Let's start with Vanderbilt. Do y'all have anything pressing to say about Vanderbilt? I think they get three wins. There you go. Uh, they, what the, I, what, I, I, what's the what's the total, Griff? Give us the and the over under is two and a half at like plus one fifteen. I think Ooh, or something like that. Get so some, some pretty nice odds there. Some I looked at their there. schedule and they play like three like laughers. I'm pretty sure they do play That's, like three joke games. That's what I was going to say about Vanderbilt. This is the, listen, I, I mean, no disrespect to Vanderbilt. We're not going to spend a lot of time on you. You have no chance to win the East, regardless of what the one guy voted. They always play a sick non-conference schedule. It's so random. The The game that has me foaming at the mouth about this college football season, Vanderbilt at Hawaii, week zero, 10 o'clock. That's like the sickest, that's like the sickest gambling game of all time. So, I can't wait. And then they go to Wake the next week. Or maybe they got home against – it's home against Wake. So they play a sick non-conference schedule. That's that's really all I really got to say about them. I think they play two FCS teams too, and I think the Hawaii, like Hawaii, is supposed to be pretty bad. I, I had They're a whole favored. conversation. They're with favored somebody by about double this. digits. Hawaii no, is I, for Vanderbilt. I think, it, I think it's seven. I think Vanderbilt's favored by seven. Yeah, Vanderbilt's favored. Uh, so okay, well, if Vanderbilt's favored against them, they cannot be good. So that's all I got. <laughs> I, I, anyways, I'll I don't want to. I don't want to beat up on. Poor old right. Vanderbilt, man. Like, yeah. let's let's keep it pushing. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, I said I wrote my notes. If they get one SEC game, successful season. So I think so. Vanderbilt. Honestly, one hundred percent. Good luck, Vanderbilt. Uh, let's move into Missouri. Who I I planned on coming in to spend about the same amount of time we did talking about them as Vanderbilt. Missouri has some sneaky talking points. Uh, Griff, what's their over under on wins? It is five and a half. So if you think they're going well, eligible, then. Jake, what you got on Missouri? Uh, I think Eli Drinkwitz is a good coach. Um, I don't know if he's a great coach, but I think he's a good yeah. coach for like Missouri and their standards. I don't think he's bad at all. Um, you know, he's probably not going to be Gary Pinkle for him, but um, I, I don't. I don't think Missouri's awful, but they're definitely not. Like I don't. When somebody says like who's going to win the SEC, they're in like the bottom three or four. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Has, here's a question: Has Drinkwitz taken over as the goofiest coach in the SEC after Dan Mullins out? He's up there. He's, He's close. There. He's at least close. Um, here, One thing about Missouri is the thing that popped out to me is they have 19 incoming transfers. 19. So there's no you can't pinpoint a specific on them because you have no idea what that's going to look like. The, the one thing that, that really, really pops is their receivers. Like they, they have a solid group of receivers. Um Mookie Cooper and Dominic Lovett have both played meaningful snaps and have got a lot of catches, and, and they're pretty impactful players. The one that will hit home on this podcast is Luther Burden, um, a guy that, w- that we missed. He stayed home. He's from St. Louis, re- five-star wide receiver. He'll be a freshman this year, and they're expecting really, really big things out of him. 
the problem is they got to figure out who's playing quarterback. Their old quarterback transferred to where'd he go? Couldn't tell you. I think a Big Twelve school. But but he's gone. Uh, so they got they got to find somebody to throw the ball to him. But they have a solid group of wide receivers that can make some plays. So who knows? Uh, I think they returning eight starters ahead. on defense. I mean that's right. pretty solid. Yeah, I think uh, I think the big game for them is at K State Week Two. Like that'll kind of tell us like what what's going to happen with them. They uh, that's a game where they're probably better than Kansas State. Kansas State's usually pretty good. I think Missouri should be more talented. They had a good recruiting class. So if they can win that game and get the ball rolling, who knows what they can do in the SEC? Yeah, it, it, Deuce Vaughn run, for Kansas State runs all over them. They're yeah, probably going to have trouble in the that's SEC true. this year. Uh, he transferred to Indiana. Indiana. Okay, Big Ten. Yeah, Connor Basley, who was like the future of Missouri for a while. Like they were all in on him. Him and Matty Mock. Yeah. Griff, you got anything on Missouri? Yeah, I mean, in my, in my rankings, I do have them finishing over Florida. So. I mean, that's really all that I got. I think they're going to be better than Florida. Over, under five and a half. I'd have to look at their schedule. That's yeah. that's tough. They're going to be right on the edge of that, I think. Yeah. That the Kansas State game might decide it, too. Yeah, that's it really that, that, was my, that was my notes. If they win that, over. If they don't, under. That's, that's such a cheap Because they're going to get – It's like, probably oh, gonna I get, see the whole season, but <laughs> – yeah, they're probably going to get two layup games, maybe even three, and then they got Kansas State, and they're going to beat Vanderbilt. And then all you got to do is get one more win. Yeah, so they could. They could. We'll see what happens. Uh, so let's get into teams that have a legit <laughs> that have a legit chance here. Um, some may say. Let's start with Kentucky. Hey, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not extremely high on, but I put them second in the SEC East because they have the most favorable schedule of anyone else in the SEC East among contenders. That's why I have them there. Jake, you had Will Levis on your list. You expect him to live up to the hype that he's kind of coming into the season with? I think he already kind of has. I mean, even if you go watch that Georgia game last year, which I was watching in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada, sitting in the uh, sports book, I placed a responsibly large bet on us. Um, man, Levis, I mean, even against Georgia's pass rush, man, he was stepping up in the pocket, delivering the ball. Uh, and he didn't look scared, even not even for a second. And I, I think he's only going to improve this year. The only problem is he's lost so much. He's going to lose four longtime starters on his offensive line. And I was just looking this up. Did they ever get this thing figured out with Chris Rodriguez as far as his eligibility? Uh, I, I'm not for sure if they settled that yet. I've heard that it's trending that he, he's going to be chilling, but I, I'm not 100% sure. It says June 7th, positive update on – okay, so let's just assume he's playing. He's a really good yeah. player. Uh, they are losing Wandale Robinson, who I thought was one of the best players, most underrated players in college football last year. Um, Baller. And, you know, we saw him last year, 24 touchdowns, 13 picks, 66%. So those are okay. I think those numbers are going to go up, even even with a reduced, uh, you know, a little bit less talented cast. Um, I just like Levis. I like his attitude. I've, I've listened to interviews with him. He seems, like a, he seems like a really good guy. He seems like he has a good handle on that program. Uh, so I'm I'm buying Will Levis this year. Okay. I, for one, am not. I could be wrong. I, I don't know. I just – like you said, the offensive line scares me, stuff like that. Who knows? But I had – obviously they lost Wandale and they lost Josh Pascal and Mark McCall on the other, other side of the ball, who were both really, really good players. Uh, so they got to replace that. They do have three fifth-year linebackers coming back, which I feel like – I love linebackers. Part I'm a big linebacker guy, so I feel like those are kind of the leaders of the defense. You get three fifth-year seniors back, that's, that's a good place to build at least. Uh, I have – their key games at Ole Miss and at Tennessee. They got to win one of those two to get second in the East. 
uh, preferably Tennessee for them to get second in the East. But uh, nobody really knows what to get out of Ole Miss and Tennessee. We'll talk about them later. But those are two of the games they need to circle because the rest of their schedule, schedule is pretty favorable other than Georgia. Florida will be a pretty interesting test for them as well. And, and I mean, even Georgia, they it's get Georgia early. at home. Yeah. yeah. Griff, anything on Kentucky? What's their over-under? Uh, it is seven and a half. So that's, that's, a, that's I mean, scary. Eight, eight wins. I mean, I think they could definitely do that. I figured it'd be but, set higher. That, that's kind of dang, that's that kind of turns me off a little bit. Vegas always knows something. Yeah, no, true. I mean, I've I'm I've got them at finishing third, and I don't know. Like I'm not. I don't know about Will Levis or not. Like he's definitely got like those intangible things. Yeah. Like he's got the size and the, the arm strength. The but tangibles. Yeah, and yeah, tangibles. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think he's definitely a big uh, best football is ahead of him guy. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. But um, yeah, I mean, if he plays I mean, under he, that, Kentucky will hit this over pretty easy. He's going to be the straw that stirs that drink. He that's this is really like we're talking about. Are you buying Kentucky? Are you buying Will Levis or not? And I'm buying Will Levis. Which drink is he stirring? The mayonnaise and coffee or <laughs> that was oh, disgusting. That <laughs> I couldn't even watch that video. But yeah, I, I Kentucky, I still think finishes second in the East just because of their schedule. I, I'll leave it at that. I, I still don't think they're going to be that great. All right, let's move on to our favorite team here, the Florida Gators. The Florida Gators are a lot less hateable this year. They're always hateable. They'll always be top-scale hateable. It's dropped down like a peg without Dan Mullen. They're still hateable. I'm sure as soon as the season starts, I want them to lose every game. But let's just start there. Brand-new staff. Always, always, always going to be growing pains with the brand-new staff. Uh, What area are you most concerned about, Jake? (laughs) I'm I'm trying so hard not to troll right now and say quarterback, but I actually do think Anthony Richardson is a decent player. Um, yeah, but I think it's the defense, man. I mean, you talk about your return in eight starters. Yeah, Sanford put up what 600, 650 yards on you. I'm not moved by Brenton Cox. I'm really not moved by a lot of guys they have on that side of the ball. And you, I know you're returning a lot of starters, but I think this is going to be a pretty average season for Florida. But if they win six or seven games with an under a new staff, I think that's still a success. Yeah, and they think Gravon Dexter is gonna is better than Jalen Carter. Like there, there's seriously people out there that's tweeting ridiculous things like that. Like obviously coming from orange and blue people, but they, like you said, none of us put AR fifteen. Nope, sorry, AR fifteen. That's no longer his nickname. Uh, I don't know what it is anymore. Anthony Richardson, AR fifteen. None of us put him on our list. And like you said, he's got the talent to do it. Like he could legitimately be a top five pick if he popped. Uh, but they got they got a receiver transfer from Arizona State, Ricky Ricky Pearsall. Uh, they don't return a whole lot on offense. They got to replace Damian Pierce, who was actually a good running back. Like he was I don't know good. why Dan Mullen never played him. By the way, that was I said that all year last year. He got like like eighty carries or something. Here's what happened with Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen turned it in. He turned it in halfway through the season. Listen, if he really wanted to save his job. He could have played the Anthony Richardson card, waited till after Georgia, and been like, yeah, but wait, look who we have coming up. And then played him against the teams they played at the end of the year, played him against Florida State, let him go crazy in those games. No. He started him against the best defense in college football history, at least recent college football history, and just threw him to the Wolves. That's how you knew Dan Mullen had turned it in by the end of last year. And so that, I think that answers a lot of questions about why Dan Mullen did whatever. But that blew my mind when he said he was starting against us. That was nuts. He could have held that card in his back pocket. Well, that was probably what he was trying to do as in, okay, well, I think this kid is literally my only prayer of actually winning this game. So, Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right. But, Griff, what's the over-under? Uh, it is seven. So, under. I mean, I'll yeah. I'll take six. 
I, I think six for them. I mean, I think they're finishing six in the East. So, <laughs> well, they get okay. Well, they get Florida State. That's a W. I, I look as much as I detest Florida, they should still beat Florida State, who is a, a Always. huge yeah. mess right now. Um, and then you, you think you got Vanderbilt, and then you know you look at K- uh, Kentucky, uh, Tennessee, Missouri, Vandy. I think they can win two of those games. Yeah. So it's four. Uh, it, you know, it's it's going to be close. I can tell you that. It'll, it's it's yeah, going to be right be around close. six or seven. Yeah, there. Brooks made a point. Utah is a tough start. The Utah's yeah. house and then week one. I, I'm willing. I believe the same. I'm willing to move money on that one. That is that's a game that's going to be completely brutal for them. I, I know Utah coming to the swamp is going to be brutal for them. Trust me, I'm in Florida now. It is terribly hot, but I, I think Utah is way better than them. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. All right, these last two teams, I'm pretty like. I'm excited to talk about these next two teams because, in my opinion, we're about to see who's next up in the East between between these two. So we'll by start, next up, we mean second place. Right. Let's yeah, get that yeah. clear. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Competing for second place. Uh, let's start in Columbia. I, for one, am a huge Beamer fan. Uh, I think he's awesome. I think just the way he approaches everything, I think he's, I think he's a good coach. Uh, that's obviously remained to be seen, but – they have pieces. Like they have pieces there to make some noise. The only problem is they have to run a gauntlet. Uh, I think that's the one thing that can hold them back. Uh, Jake, what do you need to see from South Carolina? Uh, so uh, this is we keep talking about South Carolina. Let's be honest. We're talking about Spencer Rattler here. Yeah. And I don't buy. I'm not buying Spencer Rattler in any way, shape, or form. I've I've stood on this take many times. So I guess I'm married to it now. Uh, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a guy who got benched in the most quarterback friendly offense in the country against big 12 competition. I watched his film. He will break plays on his own volition multiple times for no reason. He will pass up 10 yard gains for the big play. He plays hero ball. Like nobody I've ever seen in my life. It is painful to watch. If you're a coach, it's got to drive you insane. And if he can play within a system and South Carolina has a really good season this year, that will say way more about Shane Beamer than it does about anything else. And I think that is a true testament of him being a great coach. If he can actually, reel in Spencer Rattler and get him to play within his system. And honestly, that's what Rattler needs to do too, because he was talking about, he was talking about as a potential number one pick last year. And I promise you, mm-hmm. he, he may not have went, he might, he may not have gotten drafted if he went the draft that last year. Yeah. He's uh, I mean, he's ultra talented. That, that's where you got to start. He's just mega arm. Like you said, he, he's got some things to work on. You look at the quarterbacks that Lincoln Riley produce. I mean, they're making Kyler Murray watch film for four hours in his contract. They're not. I feel like they're not asked to do that much at Oklahoma in terms of, of reading a defense and just kind of soaking in all the football things that you need, like a base to move on to the NFL. They're just really good players. I mean, Kyler Murray, I've blamed Cliff the entire time. He just drops back, steps a few steps, and takes off out of the pocket. So whether that's him not being able to read a defense, I don't know. I don't know if that stems from Lincoln Riley or what. But, yeah, I'm interested to see what Rattler does at South Carolina. He's got some guys to throw the ball to. Um, I think everybody remembers Van and Joyner from last year for Georgia. I mean, they made they were like two of the only receivers to cut some big plays on us before Bama. Uh, I think those are two guys who can make some plays in the back end, and and they have Jaheim Bell, who South Carolina fans will tell you is, is Brock Bowers level. He's not, but he's very very good. I mean, he's a freak. So they, they had Stogner too, didn't they? From Oklahoma was that was a Stogner? It was one yes. of those tight ends they had. Yes, 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 yes. They have pass catchers. They have a veteran O line. They need to improve. It, they're they're coming back. Doesn't mean just because they're returning doesn't mean they're always good. So they'll have to they'll have to improve there. 
they lost both backs. They lost uh, Harris and Zaquandre White, so that that's a lot they'll be missing too. Because those guys in that bowl game were were uh, they were carrying the rock. And they lost Enig Bear, who is a freak coming off the edge. Um, yeah, he's he's a really really good player. So they have to replace that. They have they have they had a sneaky good defense last year, but a lot of that had to do with them getting beat down a lot and then running the ball. Like they were the number one passing defense in the SEC or something like top three because nobody passed against them in the second half hardly. So a lot of misleading stats on the defense, a lot of unknowns. Uh, they got a guy that I think you should keep an eye on. His name is Zach Pickens, coming off the edge. Pretty talented guy. So we'll see what they got there. But, Griff, what's their over-under? Uh, it is six. Six. Yeah, six. Ooh, I like over on that. I think they can win. Yeah, I, think they can. I, I, I took that yesterday. But, man, this schedule is brutal. They, got, they also have Clemson. I know that's well, one of their Well, the teams they sure. draw out of the West is tough, too. They go to mm-hmm. Arkansas week two, and they get A&M at home in October. Yeah, those like are it's tough it's teams. a tough tough schedule. They're, the only gimme on their schedule is Georgia State and Charlotte, and then obviously Vanderbilt. Other than that, like it's tough tough games. Uh, they get us at home. They go to Arkansas, to Kentucky, Tennessee at home, A and M at home. Like it, it's the only thing that's holding them back, in my opinion, this year is their schedule. So they could win seven games and be a really really good team. So, Griff, you got any we'll, thoughts on them? Yeah, I mean, I like South Carolina a lot. I have them finishing second in the East this year because I mean, like. I think that Shane Beamer, I, I like Shane Beamer a lot. And I think that he's building a culture at South Carolina. And I think he has the ability to reel in Spencer Rattler. And then when that happens, they're going to be like a really good football team. And also, I think that part of it might just be like the stigma that South Carolina left on me and like some of the late early, earlier yeah. years or before Kirby Smart of, you know, Mark Rick just getting hammered by them all the time. And uh, so I think part of it might be that. And like, I still think that they're like a sleeping giant a little bit, but no, I think they're going to be really good. And I, I think it's probably bold to say that they're going to finish second, but I wanted to come with a little bit of a bold take. And so I th- I feel like that fills it. I'll, re- yeah. I'll really be in on really good, but I, I do think they could be, um, I think they could be a, a good team and they could definitely upset an Arkansas or an A&M or somebody like that. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think, I think that Arkansas South Carolina game will be will be one to watch for sure. Week two, there's a lot of good games. Week two, but that's one I'll keep my eye on. I'm going to hold what I think their most important game is till next to the team we talk about next because, as you can guess, it's that one, and I want to talk about it later. But any last thoughts on Arkansas or South Carolina before we move on? Nope. Good. Uh, Tennessee, who everyone knows, I'm a certified hater of Tennessee. I'm going to try my best not to be. I'm taking my haterness out of this segment. Tennessee fans have convinced themselves they are a 10-win team. They legitimately have a case at having the hardest schedule in the entire country. It's brutal. The road games they have are brutal. They get Georgia and Bama every year, obviously. But before we get into all that, let's talk about their team as a whole. Obviously, the big names they're returning are Hendon Hooker and Tillman, the receiver. Cedric Tillman, two guys who are very good football players who are game changers. Uh, what, anything anything else stick out to you about Tennessee, Jake? Yeah, I just want to see if this offense is going to work again in year two. And I, I'm not saying it's a gimmick or anything, but uh, coaches are going to make adjustments. You know, they they got a they got a few licks in on Georgia, uh, at least early in the game. Um, you know, they had a busted play in that first drive. They should have scored. I can't remember uh, who mm-hmm. busted the coverage, but uh, you know, they missed a touchdown on that first drive. They could have struck first against Georgia. Um, 
But I, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say it now. Tennessee either is going to be a 10-win team or they're going to be the biggest joke in college football, and people are going to be running them up all week for for uh, all the talking they've been doing this offseason. I tend to think they'll be closer to a, a 9 or 10-win team. I do think they're going to have a good season. Uh, but the question is, after that, what's it going to look like? Because they're getting yeah. a lot of hype, especially with Nico coming in and all mm-hmm. that. But I don't know. I don't see Tennessee as a threat to Georgia. I think Georgia will handle them in Athens. Uh, but I, I I don't buy a lot of the, you know, Tennessee could win the East stock. Not right. Well, before you go, Griff, people think that when you return your quarterback, it just feels like you return everybody. You know, they lost a lot of guys. Matthew Butler on the D-line, Alante Taylor on the edge, Theo Jackson, Velas Jones, pass catchers. Really, really good players that they lost. Um, and all drafted, all NFL players. They've got they've got pieces to replace. It ain't like they're returning everyone from a team that they that if you just listen to their fans, won ten games. They won seven. They went seven and six. They're almost five hundred. Uh, it was a good place to start. Like it was a great place to start for Hypo. But I have my thoughts on that, Griff. Before I go, go ahead. What you got in Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, Jake, you won't call their offense gimmicky, but I will. Uh, <laughs> I think. That it's, I, I just think it's such a gimmick. I just don't think that it's like an offense that can win real football games. Like, you know, yeah, you may score in a minute and make a big play, but what happens when you go three and out in 20 seconds and your defense has got to walk back out there and stop somebody like Georgia who's just running the ball down your throat for five minutes every drive? I mean, it, it's just, it, it's not sustainable. And until they figure out something defensively, I just don't think it's going to work out. Well, the 30 second three and outs are brutal on a defense like it, you're setting yourself up for failure there so it, you've got you've got a game plan for that like you can't go you can't go 15 20 second three and ass in the sec and expect to get any stops ever so that that's what's tough what i want to talk about is the game in columbia in november i think that is the biggest game of the sec east this year mostly because i think george is going eight no that that's I've, we've already said that i think this game could determine who is because they both are teams with rising momentum. They're recruiting better. Um, I I just think that this game will kind of determine who gets that momentum and who really grabs it. It's going to be a big recruiting game for South Carolina. They're going to have they're going to have a ton of recruits there. November Tennessee coming to town, an electric atmosphere. I think the winner of that game can really really carry some momentum into next year and on the recruiting trail. I think that's a huge game. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think it'll, it, it could decide second in the East if, if you know, Kentucky doesn't live up to their billing. So, and I mean, it, that's going to be who's going to be getting the hype next year uh, as well because Georgia uh, will get South Carolina at home and then at Tennessee again. And uh, there will be some chatter with that, like, oh, can, can you know, South Carolina go into Athens and upset her? Uh, is Tennessee going to get Georgia at home? So, we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Griffin, I want to sell a shot here. I got a message, Tennessee fans. Here's here's. This is all hater aside. Listen, Tennessee fans are setting themselves up for failure for the reasons I just talked about. You're expecting 10 wins. If you told them right now they're going eight and four, they'll tell you on the outside, no, that'd be great. It'd be a great stepping stone. Inside, they're pissed. No, nah, we're winning 10 games. We're winning 10 for sure. Let's just give them two losses to Georgia and Alabama. They might, some would disagree, but we're going to do it for argument's sake. Georgia, Alabama loss. To win nine games or better, you're asking them to go four and one and better in these games at Pitt and Heinz Field, or used to be Heinz Field, home against Kentucky, home against Florida, at LSU, at South Carolina. Four and one in those. Are they capable of doing it? Probably. Is it likely? No. 
I know for a fact they're underdogs against Pitt right now. It's a pick them against LSU. And I, I think South Carolina in November is going to be brutal. I'm glad we have them week two. Uh, so I'm just saying if, if Tennessee wins eight games this year, I think that signifies they're a good team with this schedule. I really, really do. I think that means they're good. Just because your schedule's eight and four, they're not all created the same. Texas Tech going eight and four is not the same as Tennessee going eight and four of this schedule. So I would just say temper your expectations a little bit. You don't have to do it all the way. You could still expect 10 games, but I don't think it's a failure if they win eight games, is all I'm saying. I think I think it's a good seven song for Hypel. So that's all I got on that. But anything what's their over under, Griff? It is uh eight. Oof, I like them like right at eight. Exactly. I feel like that's, yeah, I feel I like don't, that's a good I don't number. I like over on that. I don't like under either really necessarily. Yeah, but. Exactly. Exactly. I think an eight win, I think eight win season is good for them with this schedule. It's going to be a tough one. But that is the SEC East. Like we said, I think Georgia handles all these teams fairly easily. We can see, obviously things can change, but uh, I, I think it's a, comp, a division that's on the rise, like we said. But that is this week's episode. I uh, appreciate you guys listening in. Be sure to follow us on Twitter for, for stuff throughout the week ultra content we got some more things coming out so appreciate you guys go dogs have a good week